boys and girls, we are back again after it feels like an extended absence. It really does. It actually, actually wasn't. We just were smart and pre-recorded a little earlier, and it's so behind. I just remembered to put up the poll for Operation Ivy today. I just saw it when I left the house. I um I like went to San Francisco last week, and I was like, shit, I forgot to post the I forgot to post the episode. Shit, I forgot to post the poll. Shit, I can't actually do that live feed thing on Facebook right. remotely. Like I have to do that from my computer. So there's that. How are you doing, Handbone? I'm doing awesome, my friend. I'm glad to uh, be back in the basement with you. I'm so happy to be back That's in the basement. Creepy with in the Headhunters Lounge. In we the are Headhunters Lounge. Back in once Duke again Jersey. for another excellent edition of my Thai Happy Hour. Hambone, what do we have on the show today? So today we're going to talk about the new movie, Fighting With My Family. We are also going to talk about the ending of True Detective. We're going to talk about a little bit of a eulogy for the Marvel Universe on Netflix. And we're going to review the zombie village in San Francisco. Yes. I'm excited. I don't get to go to new tiki bars often, so when I do, I get psyched. I know. Yeah, so let's get into this episode. Give us a cocktail, Hambone. So this is going to be the last cocktail for the month of February, and the month of February's theme was fire. Fire! So this is another fire-themed cocktail. This is called the Tiki Bonfire Cocktail, and it comes to you from the vinepair.com website, which I just discovered today when I was looking for this cocktail. So this is your classic tiki-style cocktail. It's two ounces of rum, and we're going to use light rum for this. You're going to have a half ounce of overproof rum, so a 151, or lemon har, if you could find it. Uh, uh, We're so close. I have found... The orderer of the alcohol at uh, Amici Vino, Amante, Amante Vino, Avante, Amante Vino, that bar, that place right around the corner from from uh, East Side Mags, okay, on Montclair. They actually have a direct tie to the distributor. We're this close. I just have to email him, but I've been too busy to email him. You know, I want to talk about the real true detective. It's George Bungalow here trying to track down a bottle of 11R151 <laughs> That's going to be for me. The greatest episode when I whip it out. We're, it's going to be the first episode where we get hammered on air again. No, because it's going to be a mess. Because we won't be prepped for my time or for a drink. We'll have to do it the week afterwards. Uh, okay, but the next week after that, it's going to be embarrassing. We'll be seeing their shaving cinnamon on the air while Spoilers. we're while I'm trying to do this. It's going to be a very awkward audio feed. Give me a cocktail. So you're also going to have a half ounce of Agnostora bitters, one ounce of orange juice, one ounce of lime juice, three quarters of an ounce of grenadine, a half ounce of pineapple syrup, and a half of a lemon that's going to be hollowed out for the garnish. Now, what you're going to do is this. It's going to be a little different. You're going to combine the ingredients except for the grenadine, the 151, the bitters, and the lemon into a shaker, and you're going to shake it over fresh ice and a tiki glass. Now, what you want to do is once you get done shaking it, before you even pour it in the glass, you're going to pour the grenadine over the ice and into the glass. And I recommend a method where if you take the bottle of grenadine and you kind of cap off the top with your thumb so just a little gets out, you could actually put a rim around the glass with the grenadine by turning the glass and pouring at the same time. It's going to make a really nice effect for when you pour the drink in afterwards. Then you're going to take the bitters, and you're going to want to float it over the top of the ice. Float. Floater. The only time where a floater is acceptable. And you're going to put it over the ice. So you're going to take a spoon. I recommend a teaspoon and turn it upside down. And you're going to pour the Agnostora bitters over the spoon. And it's going to kind of cascade over the top of the ice in the drink. Then you're going to take a lemon. And it's a half a lemon. You're going to hollow it out. You're going to float it on the top. You're going to fill that son of a bitch with 151. You're going to light it on fire. Fire. And that is our Tiki Bonfire cocktail, the final cocktail. For the month of February, the month of fire. So wrestling with our family. Fighting with my family. Fighting with our family. Mm-hmm. I 
like, look, I heard it was coming out. I was like, there's no way this is going to be the drizzle shits. I mean, it's The Rock involved. Yes. But come on, The Rock's movies are also, we know what we get with The Rock's movies. Well, here's the thing. The Rock is in it, but he makes a kind of an extended cameo. But, but he made the movie. He made the movie but with Seven Bucks Productions. But you have in your mind what a Rock production would be like. I was so, at first I was apprehensive. It's also the story of Paige. I'm like, how much of a story does Paige have at 26 or whatever she is now? She was, look, yeah. you review us. I'm just setting it up here. I saw the original version of this. So this is based on a 20-minute documentary that you can find on YouTube, I believe by the same name. It's called Fighting With My Family. And The Rock, I believe, was just up one night while he was filming one of the Fast and the Furious and was bored and turned on YouTube and found it and watched it and was like, holy shit, this would make a really good movie. And I honestly believe that if you want to really see a great short documentary to get yourself prepped and psyched up for this movie, definitely check it out. It is on YouTube. It's very easy to find. It's short, and it's a really good, you know, I love documentary. It's I mean, Truth is Stranger Than Fiction. Yeah. And this truly is, the source material is really, really good. But then, like, the reviews started coming in, and it was like 93, 94% Rotten Tomatoes, like yeah. 96 at first. I'm like, whoa, this might actually be the first WWE film because I believe they are the 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 distribution house. It's the first thing that pops up. You see the beautiful WWE logo popping up on that screen. So they actually not have... often a sign of quality in the oh, film, yes. film business. I mean, we are we are well aware of the quality of film we get when we watch a, a WWE movie, and we do watch them. The Marine Six. The I Marine mean, Six was actually really good. Yeah, but still, it's not a quality movie. I, I, we could fight about this. I, we're not going to fight about it. I saw it; it was good. Shawn Michaels is the star of it. I it loved really it, is. but it wasn't a great movie. I, we agreed to disagree. It was a better Marine movie. <laughs> it was the best Marine movie of any of the Marine <laughs> movies. But that's as much as I'm giving you on that. But you went and saw it. Uh, I did. Obviously, with a child, I'm I'm limited. I'm saving it all up for Captain Marvel. Yeah. You know, for me, it was I woke up on Sunday morning earlier than I wanted to, and I thought, you know what would be great? Breakfast nugs and a Coke Zero. So Breakfast I, pretzel nugs. Yeah, breakfast I don't think people understand nugs. your favorite oh, thing sorry. in the world. Yeah, it's, it's kind of a wonderful thing. Uh, so I went down to the local AMC theater, and I got my pretzel nugs, and I got my Coke Zero, and I went to the 11 o'clock a.m. showing on a Sunday, which there was no one in here. It was me, a couple families, and some elderly uh, couples who laughed at every single joke Probably harder than they should have, but I appreciated <laughs> that about them. So this is the family, the story of Paige and her family, the Knight family. Paige was born Soraya Knight and named after her mother, who is a wrestler in England. Which is so weird. That always so freaked weird. me out. Yeah. And the father, the whole family wrestles. The one brother was in jail, uh, and her brother and her came up wrestling together, and they were the, the big local talent, and WWE comes to town one day. They go to audition for the WWE, and that's what this story is about. It's about Paige's journey from being a young girl growing up in the wrestling business. She started wrestling at, I think, age 13 or 14. 13 is what she said, yeah. Yeah, and then becoming one of the biggest WWE superstars in the world. I uh, the one of the stories that you hear regularly is that her mother didn't know she was pregnant with her and was actually wrestling yes. while pregnant. Oh yeah, and I think she was a young mom too because yeah. I believe they. Uh, I mean, she looks pretty young too if you ever see her mom. Yeah, uh, that family is just so kind of fucked up. I think British wrestling is a whole different world in it oh, I to can itself. Imagine, yeah, uh, again in the documentary, you just see what level. It's just a completely different level of of type of human that likes wrestling in England than here. 
Oh, I agree. And the movie is actually extremely well done. Uh, the ratings that it's getting, uh, the reviews that it's getting are actually very accurate. And it's Stephen Merchant. Stephen Merchant, who made The British Office, Stephen Merchant, who made Extras, is an incredibly talented writer. And he he wrote this movie for The Rock and The Rock's production company, and he directed it as well. And it's a very touching, it's a very heartwarming movie. If you are a wrestling fan who has not been living under a rock for the last 10 years, you know Paige's story. You know the course that she took going from England to NXT, you know, all her accomplishments at NXT and then the WWE, you know, they have to cherry pick certain things and yeah. kind of gloss over certain things because it is an hour and a half movie. However, they do a stellar job with it. And uh, Lena Headley, the uh, the mother on Game of Thrones, yeah. plays Paige's mother yeah, in her, this movie. And she's great. She's fantastic. It's just for a second there, you have that, oh, because you see her face and you're just, if you're a Game of Thrones fan, you're just like, Argh. Vince Vaughn plays Bill DeMott. Vince Vaughn essentially plays Bill DeMott. And... You have uh, Nick Frost, who pay plays Paige's dad. Who Nick Frost is fucking great in anything he's in. I, I look. I look forward to seeing it. I definitely will watch the shit out of it once it's available on demand. I, I, I love the fact that people are saying that it's really, really geared for and and acceptable by people who aren't wrestling fans. Oh, of course. Like they made it really accessible and they and they made it heartwarming. It's great. And I hear a lot of wrestling fans like it too. Yes, you can nitpick some of the weird terminology. I believe they call it the NXT a few times. Yeah. That pissed a few people off. There uh, are are some complaints. Why didn't they just use actual wrestlers for well, some of the parts? They did. And they did. They did, and I don't want to say it out loud because I don't want to spoil it for people who are current fans of the, the WWE, but certain wrestlers do pop up, and one female wrestler pops up in a very prominent role uh, at the very end of the movie. And very it's, cool. It's really impressive. The Rock's in it, and The Rock is just The Rock. Yeah. Look, you, you know you know who you're getting into bed with when you get in the bed with The Rock. Yep. I mean, it's The Rock. We, know, we, we smell what he's cooking. We definitely smell what he's cooking. I will say that I can understand why regular... When I say regular people, I would say non-wrestling fans enjoy it because it is a perfect sports movie where you have a person who's kind of the underdog and they go from like zero to hero and i could see why a wrestling fan would really enjoy the movie because it's a really good movie about professional wrestling i i recommend everyone go see this fleck i will go see it i, I, well, I mean, i'm, I'm super a, excited yeah. to see it too I, I i i is it at all a bummer knowing that she can't capitalize this in her career does it bum you a little bit that she's i mean she's definitely has a positive outlook on life but for those that don't know Paige in her actual life ha has been uh, injured to the point where she might not be able to wrestle again. They haven't yeah. gone all out and said she has to retire. They've learned that lesson, but she's been injured enough where she might not wrestle ever again. Yeah, honestly, it is a bummer. It was a bummer kind of watching it because you get so excited and so involved in her story. And so like you're rooting for her the whole time. And as a wrestling fan, like I know how it ends. Like, yeah. like, I know how the movie ends, but you also kind of know how it ends for her in real life. And, you know, you I wish her the best, and I really hope she can find her way back to the ring again. But, yeah, it is kind of a bummer. And it's interesting because after the movie, the I mean, it's an after credit sequence, but really it just goes under the credits. They actually so show you clips from the documentary. And when you see Paige in the documentary, you see how – she's a little girl. Like, and I know it sounds weird. Like, I'm a 40-year-old man, but, like, I look at her and it's just, like, it could be, like, my friend's kid. Yeah. And, like, just just barely a teenager, and she is going for it in the ring. And she was one of the youngest champions, too. Yes. I, I you know, I, I hope they do more of this. I hope WWE realizes that this was a huge success. Oh, yeah. 
You know, I, I know they've made great strides with their Christian movie uh, arm, <laughs> thanks to Shawn Michaels. But, you know, th this works, too. There's so uh, many great stories to tell. I've been listening to uh, Lillian Garcia's Chasing uh, Glory fantastic podcast. Fantastic podcast. Uh, so I listened to the Rusev and Lana. the waterworks going. Yeah. Listen to the Rusev and Lana one. <laughs> listen to the Leo Rush one today. Yeah. That is a very good podcast. I, I could see a lot of stories coming out of that because it's a podcast where they really do lay it all out on the line. And and that's where like you hear that these what these wrestlers go through. Oh yeah, and I just would love to see some of those turn into movies. It really is crazy. It's it's interesting because they're carnies. It's it's a circus. The, what being in the the traveling, touring, live entertainment show. It's not as glamorous as anyone would imagine it to be because you are constantly on the road. You're constantly having to keep in shape. You're constantly having to keep up appearances. You're constantly going, 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 going. I can not even imagine and i've toured in bands how grueling it must be to actually be a professional wrestler like god hats off to you, all of you yeah. uh you know that said like i agree with you i think that there are a ton of great stories out there that are right for the picking that if you know ww wanted to they could they could tell some pretty good uh stuff and they make good documentaries too i mean the stuff they do on the yes. network i just saw the mark henry one that was yeah. fantastic i haven't seen it yet i, I hear it's very awesome. very good i mean it's the story of mark henry and and i forgot that he went back to win the world's strongest man again later in life just because he felt like it just because he felt like it and vince said if you fail well, there's no room for number two here which is crazy yeah such a vince thing <laughs> to you do imagine saying that to mark henry he bent an actual metal pan with his bare hands that he thought was like <laughs> He thought it was a gimmick pan, but it was it was a legit legit like, pan, like cast iron skill. He just so Spider Man, yes, into the multiverse. Ooh, this, yeah, into the yeah. Was that what it's called? Into the Spider Verse. Shit, it's okay. I it's one of those nights. It's all right. Won the Oscar. Fuck yeah, it won the Oscar. I am so happy for oh, it. So, it so I good. the day before it won the Oscar, I saw it. You finally, oh, you finally, finally saw it, saw it. Oh, and it is the best. It is the best cartoon out there. I felt like they. This was the best way they could have told the story of Miles. Yes. Because the MCU is so invested in white Peter Parker. Yeah. And there's no way you can really interject a different Sp Spider-Man at this point of time without just running different timelines. It just doesn't work. Not saying that they shouldn't at one point, but like right. you can't do what they did in that movie in reality both at the level of, well, there's already another Peter Parker we know, but also just the fact that Peter Parker, the motherfucking Spider-Ham, is in the movie. Which, by the way, I went insane when I saw Because next oh. to the X-Babies, he's like one of my favorite like, oh, yeah. sidebar characters. And it was John Mulaney, it, which is yeah, and excellent. Nick Cage as like noir, <laughs> Spider-Man noir. Oh, so there was so many great things about it. I thought Allison said it was better than like any of the Spider-Man movies. It's the best Spider-Man movie ever made. I don't know. I think Homecoming's really, really good. I think this smokes Homecoming. And if you haven't seen Spider-Man to the Spider-Verse yet, what are you waiting for? Uh, no, I it's think, on I, demand. No, Get on I, no, it. No, no, I think it is this week, coming week. I think this coming week. I may have seen it through alternative alternative methods. Uh, it Allegedly. Is, I believe it's coming out. Uh, I think it's coming out this week. I really, really enjoyed it. Um, I, I think everyone, if you like... It's a different type of animation, too. I heard it took a very long time to actually make... Uh, I don't know why it's different than traditional animation. I but couldn't tell you. It just looked incredible. It looked. It looks amazing. Uh, the only complaint I had about it was just the kingpin, dude. Is the kingpin like have powers? Because I don't remember ever, him ever having powers. When no, I was he's a kid. like a giant meatball. I know. It's just he. He's, Who knows? Like karate. I guess so. He's, he's like a meatball ninja. Way too power. The end of it. I was a little confused on how the the whole plot line thing was flowing. But great movie. Maybe you do a better job than me. I shouldn't watch it when I'm tired. But. 
I loved it. Absolutely yeah. loved it. Fantastic. And, and so deserved the Oscar. I couldn't think of a better animated movie that came out last year. Oh, no, hands down. And it is the best. So smart it came out a year, a non-Pixar year, because like Toy Story is going to fucking murder everything this yeah, year. To, yeah, I mean. It's just going to do it. Toy Story is Oscar bait at this point. So we're talking about failed Marvel experiments. I don't know if it's even calling them failed, but there is some failure we need to talk about here. This past week, Net, we, we've called it. We've been waiting. It's been like Death Watch. Yeah. Uh, Netflix announced. I the, call it a, a, a slow-moving train on a moonlit night. Yeah. Netflix announced, coming. Netflix announced the end of The Punisher and Jessica Jones. The final two Marvel Knights TV shows are being canceled uh, for reasons that are not apparent to anyone because they're all in fighting and bitching and moaning. Uh, I, I have a lot of feels right now. Part of me is like, you know what? Maybe they should kill them off because they were just droning a little bit. Yeah. And the other part of me is like, well, were they droning because they gave up on them? I can't believe that. I don't want to believe that. But I I felt like they all had really good first seasons, Iron Fist aside. And then they just kind of meandered because they never found their way. What are your thoughts, Ambon? See, I don't want to think that they just phoned it in because I can't imagine any director who has worked their ass off to get to a place where they're directing a major property or any actor or actress for that matter, anyone on a crew who would just be like, ah, well, we're getting sold. Let's just hit the fucking button and move on. Because in the end of the day, you still have to find another job. I don't tend to believe that that was the case. I think that, you know, I get it. A lot of those shows were kind of like floundering, like you said. You know, Daredevil season three was amazing. Jessica Jones season one was amazing. Punisher season one was amazing. Punisher season one was amazing. Luke Cage was mixed. Luke Luke Cage season one was mixed. Season two, I don't know what the fuck happened there. Defenders was horrible. Defenders. Iron Fist was horrible. The Defenders was horrible. At the end of the day, them trying to shoehorn this into the Defenders rather than just the Marvel Knights, I think hurt them more than made them. I agree. They tried to make this their own universe instead of just keeping them as part of the Marvel universe. And I think that that has a lot to do with what's going on where Disney starts up their own app. Like, Disney could have, and by rights, just said, well, we just want to bring everyone home because we want to integrate them into the regular Marvel Cinematic Universe or Marvel TV Universe because what's going on on Netflix just wasn't cutting the mustard. That said, there was a decent amount of fan base for most of the shows where if they had kept it going on Netflix, I'm sure they could have really built that universe out but there's a there's a there's a glass ceiling though for the Marvel Knights universe yeah. on something like Netflix because star- you're never going to get Tony Stark in there. And when they started off they were talking about the incident they were referring to the Avengers situation. Right. They were tying into a little bit and they just never even went there. And maybe it was that Disney knew what the end game was earlier. I think the nobody has really accepted blame on this. Jeff uh, Jeff Loeb uh, Marvel TV's had had the worst non-response response oh, what in PR. I, the whole thing was basically thanking half of it was they said he responded. I was like, oh, is he going to throw in that? Like, is he going to be like, yeah, this was not on us. We're going to bring him back. No. He gave the, like, we think everyone ver- worked very hard. We thank everybody. And then he ended with, our network partner may have decided they no longer want to continue oh. telling the tales of these great characters. But you know Marvel better than that. As Matthew Murdoch's dad once said, the measure of a man is not how he gets knocked to the mat. It's how he gets back to be continued. 
I hear there's like a three year like no compete. Like I think they can't actually touch them for a little bit. Which is fine because they have enough characters that they need to play with as is. Plus, allegedly, the X Men and the Fantastic Four are coming back to the major Mar- uh, Marvel Cinematic Universe. The problem is, is that the actors that played Daredevil and Luke Cage and Jessica Jones yeah. and Punisher are so great. I know. That you don't want them to, you know, in three years, who knows what they'll be doing. Yeah. The guy who played Matt, who played Daredevil, Matt Murdock, even said he's not ready to give it up yet. Oh, no. Charlie Cox was fantastic. He was, and, and again, this is not the fault of anyone particularly. The actors were fantastic. It's just, the stories were too long. They should have been eight. eight, eight they all should have been episodes. eight episodes. We'll talk about True Detectives later, but that's where you're, that's what works. And see, this is what I, what I don't understand is that you have the keys to the kingdom, you have the, the the juice you got all the money in the world to throw into these great shows, and you can't keep them floating. And Agents of Shield mm. still on the air. And they, that's garbage. But yeah, but but it's still there. Like they just started filming season seven. Do you watch Se- that show? No, I gave up on it. Season six hasn't even aired yet. Like they're still putting money into that. And let's not talk about the Inhumans debacle. I was gonna go there. Whew. That never came back, right? No. I don't even think they aired all the episodes because it was so fucking bad. How do you fuck that up? I uh, mean, they have a, a dog that teleports you places. Focus on the dog. People like dogs. Eminem was not happy. Oh, no. Eminem was canceled. not happy about not his program happy being canceled. Um, I think uh, I, I, I do wor- I think I think Netflix should worry more about Hulu yeah. than Disney at oh, this yeah. point. Because that, do you think, I don't know if we talked, touched on it last week, but you know, with the whole fire Festival documentary bullshit garbage, like they clearly are undercutting each other. Do you think Doom Patrol was timed to launch with Umbrella Academy for a reason? Oh, 100%. Like there's no way there isn't, right? 100%. Oh, that was some petty shit. No, definitely. I definitely think that was a, oh, really? Yeah, well, here we we're go. Gonna do, we're going to do Doom Patrol, which you know I think is cinematic. Even though it's on a completely different pl- network but platform. But that's the thing. But still, it, I don't know. That's the fight. For Hulu versus Netflix. I mean, Spirefest was on different platforms. Mm. Hulu versus Netflix is a real war going on right now. Yeah, I believe it. It's crazy. And I think, I mean, Hulu's got a, Hulu has a big step happening. Uh, I think in the next couple months, they're starting to roll out. You can start watching live sports on Hulu as part of the regular package that you're paying for. So if you like watching sports on the programs that deal with uh, the channels that deal with Hulu, you can start watching live sports. And I think that's just a hop, skip, and a jump from you're being able to watch live TV on Hulu. Hulu's also doing quality versus quantity. They're doing the HBO model. Mm-hmm. Whereas, you know, Doom Patrol and, 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 and Handmaid's Tale, these are shows that are like leaps and bounds above Netflix stuff. I mean... You know, Doom. Now I saw a second episode of Doom Patrol. I haven't seen it yet. That was a little wonky. I think I'm gonna watch it one more time. There was a lot of shit coming out of the back of a donkey. Like the whole universe takes place in a donkey's anus. I, I don't even know how to explain it. It's like, no, that 100 percent tracks the Doom Patrol. I know. I, no, I, that's that is I, super. I, I need to be a lot more awake when I watch Doom Patrol, but I still think it is like the acting just murders it. It's so good. Yeah, so good. Uh, so other, we love you, Brendan Fraser. Yeah, we love. Yeah, who, th- who thought? Who thought we'd ever be saying that in in two thousand nineteen? Weird tangent number two. <laughs> R. Kelly's in jail. <laughs> yeah, that that. Do we, you want to talk about a slow train on a a moonlit night? That uh, twenty years he's been like. Have they been talking about how R. Kelly is a scumbag for twenty years? And like I was talking about to people at work uh, that. 
that were just like, wow, I can't believe like this documentary worked. And they're like, well, this is kind of like when O.J. Simpson finally got his comeuppance and went to jail. But I'm like, O.J. Simpson went to jail for stealing back shit that was stolen from him. No, R. Kelly like is on a tape, like a 14-year-old yelling, ah, how old are you, 14? Yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, he just fucking, like the amount of charges, like the v- evidence they have against him, he's going to jail for a very long time. Uh, you know, And it's that. like about fucking time. No, it's going to be hard to skate on this. He's in the video saying, how old are you again? Tell me how old are you again? And she was that age. So it's uh, not even I, like, I, it's, like, it's, it's, it's kind of hard. It's tough on this one. I, I know. The glove didn't fit. I, the glove I fits know, here. Man, like you can't. The glove does fit. I, I, I kind of don't really have a whole lot of faith anymore with people actually like getting punished for the I crimes. Blew that they my do. mind was that he couldn't afford the hundred grand. When I heard the bail was wow. hundred grand, when he, I heard it, was, I'm like, "Fuck, they're gonna he's gonna skate because he can easily pay." I mean, come on, uh, residuals for I believe I can fly. You don't think that thing still gives him a paycheck? No, I, I know I, I do. I believe I can fly. I I believe that, but I I know that you know some people who are rich. Don't have it liquid. Don't pay their taxes. Yeah. You know, or their child support in this case. He definitely didn't pay So he's still support. in jail. No, he's out. He's out. Did he, he get out today? He got out yesterday. Oh, uh, he finally put it up. Yeah. Well, I mean, it took him a little while to kind of become liquid, and he put it up. But he, he didn't have to pay his child support first. Like, they were like, ah. Oh, that was what they were saying. You owed, yeah. like, 150 grand in child yeah. support. Yeah, it was, like, 170 grand in child support. But, like, you, it's okay. You don't have to pay that first. You could pay your bail first to get out of jail. It's just like, really? I think you might want to. But I guess it's a separate issue. And that's why I don't really have a whole lot of faith. I mean, we'll see what happens. Yes, we shall. Yes, if, and, we shall. But if he, if he ends up skating, man, what the fuck is wrong with our criminal justice system? I got nothing. I've got nothing. Yeah. So last week I went to um, I went to San Francisco, had a big Samsung event in, yeah, uh, in, uh, at uh, Bill Graham Auditorium. Very lovely auditorium. Did a great job putting that on. And uh, the first night I got there, I needed a painkiller. I needed one bad. So... I had heard that Pagan Idol, which is one of the most insane, gorgeous, over-the-top tiki bars in the world, their parent company had opened up another location uh, right around the corner from my hotel uh, called the Zombie wow. called the Zombie Village. Yeah, and I was like, I gotta go look. So I went, walked. Literally, it was around the block. I walked over, and it is so Pagan Idol is like. The longest bar ever. It's like four, three or four levels, and you start like in a boat, and then you make your way to like a traditional tiki luau, and then you're in a jungle with waterfalls. You just keep walking back, and it's like how the how deep is this fucking bar? Uh, on the other hand, Zombie Village is just a giant square. Okay, but it's almost like staggered upwards where you go in, you walk through a door. On your left is like two story tall tiki's, just giant open tiki. I, I can't even explain it. Like giant tiki, you're almost like you're outside. There's this beautiful wall. I'll probably post some photos while I'm talking about it on the on the video feed of this. But it is incredible. But then in the middle of it is a giant square bar that you can access from all four sides. Oh, yes. That's awesome. And so on the left side is open air, giant two-story ceilings, like just tiki everywhere, exotic music playing. You walk towards the back, and there's like a grotto and like a cave that you can go in for a little more quietness. But when you wrap around the other side of the bar, it almost just turned – it almost slopes down into – a quiet little tiki hut. Okay. So it goes from being like very wide open. We can have a lot of people. You can speak to people to like you can reserve your own tiki nook, like tiki hut, and it becomes cozy. So it's a weird, weird dynamic. Uh, the bartenders were really cool. I sat down. I ordered uh, a painkiller that had a decent mix. But they didn't have like their own zombie village uh, 
like their own drink. Right. Uh, they were so just making the, the hits. Yeah. So I went with the painkiller, and they had a couple. They went pretty deep. I, I forgot to photograph the uh, the menu, but I got a painkiller. Talked to the bartender for a while. He was familiar with all the local tiki bars all the way down to Frankie's, and nice. we're talking about the pain. He was asking me about the Polynesian, which opened up by us, and obviously that's like there's so much buzz about the Polynesian, their bartenders, and that you know they're winning all these awards for their drinks and stuff. That's awesome for having the weird drinks. And uh, they do have some weird drinks there, but they're delicious. And uh, so, yeah, I hung out there for a little while, and and I really enjoyed the atmosphere. Again, it was it was like nothing. It wasn't like Pagan Idol. It was, but it was completely different than anything else in San Francisco. They had a local exclusive mug, but it was a limited one that sold out. Of course, at opening, it's like a zombie with a fez. Oh, that's awesome! I know, very very cool. But they said they might they'll probably bring it back in other colorways. I am so happy that when I went the first time I went to San Francisco. Like 2012 with Allison, we went expecting this tiki wonderland, and there was one open tiki place, the tiki, the the uh, Tonga Room, which is the oldest one in San Francisco, right. and it's the one that's in the hotel. It's got the riverboat in the middle that comes down. There's a tropical storm, and they play music, but it was long in the tooth at the time. It wasn't very good. The food wasn't great at the time. Trader Vic's was closed and going through renovations. There was nothing else. Now there is like almost a dozen. High level tiki bars, love it. All within like a cab distance of downtown. Yeah, like you can hit like in in, in like a three two square mile. You can hit Smuggler's Cove. You can hit Pagan Idol, Zombie Village, and and uh, what's the other one? I'm blanking on the other one right now. And then just cross over to the other side to Oakland and uh, Longitude, which closed down. I was very sad because that was oh. had almost an African feel. Has been taken over by tiki gods, and it's now the Contiki. And they've made it even more tiki. You have Forbidden Island. You have t- Trader Vicks is now open in Emeryville. So many tiki options in San Francisco. It's become a, a nice tiki mecca, which it never really was. It was yeah. mostly Southern California. I'd have to eat at every single place or I'd be wasted. Yeah, going and the, on that tiki and the, tour. And the problem is Trader Vicks is the only one that really has food. Uh, uh, Longitude used to, so maybe the Contiki has a kitchen. Yeah. But for the most part, it is just really solid drinks. Really recommend the Zombie Village. It's right in the downtown area. You can find it. I was staying at the uh, at the blanking on the ho- marker at the marker hotel. Cool. And it was just a really nice little uh, dog-friendly boutique hotel. So oh, that's fun. When you're in San Francisco, they have so many boutiques that you don't need to. Sp- spend money on a Hilton or something. Right. Just go to a nice, affordable boutique place. It's it's nice and comfy. So really enjoyed it. All, next night, I went and found my uh, coworker, Albert, who we called his Krampus one year. He is uh, took him to the Pagan Idol. Cool. First time there. The plan was to go to Pagan Idol, then Smuggler Cove, but I got too toasty and realized I didn't want to. It's been known to happen. I hadn't eaten. Yeah. I was grumpy. Call it, oops, I'm drunk. Mm. So I never made it out. And Pagan Idol didn't have any new mugs, so... Came home mugless. Great event. Uh, highly recommend if you ever can get San Francisco. Really recommend all these places. Uh, one day on Cult of George, I've really got to make like a, a a San Francisco tiki road trip. Cool. So I can yeah. show everybody how to get there. You really can Uber through the whole thing for like a hundred bucks. Oh, that's the dream. That's the dream. So final tangent. Yeah. So happy for Roman Reigns. He beat cancer. That was fast and like, awesome. That was awesome. I love that he was trending all day yesterday. All day. And it is possible. I know somebody who, who oh, the, the bullshit online about leukemia. Right. Fuck you all. If you think this is a work, your garbage people stop watching the show. Like, seriously, like, this isn't a work. This isn't, like, dude, it just, it doesn't work that way. Not everything's a work, man. Not everything's a work. And you get busted in this work, that's the end of your company. 
Oh my god. Like that's insane. Dude, uh, could you imagine could you imagine that if it was a work, right? After everything that you, they've done with Connor's would, cure? Like, what are you kidding me? I mean, it's not a work. The the Fox deal, like everything would fall apart. This is not a work, people. Stop being fucking fake news mongers. You know what? Sometimes it's okay just to feel good. Yeah. I, it's like, okay for something to happen. I, and it I, feels good. Just have, go with it. I have a colleague that recently went through it, and he knocked it out in like three months. It was just a battery of treatment right. uh, that you just decided to do it all at one shot. He looks the same as he did before. He doesn't look like he lost a ton of weight. He didn't have hair, so I can't really judge that. But right. he looks good. And and he was back at work in like two and a half months. So it's it's doable. And if he kept working out and was being strong during it, there's no reason why he couldn't. And also, he's related to The Rock. There's nothing going to stop him, guys. Yeah. There's nothing going to stop Unstoppable. him. Unstoppable. Except for if you're an Uso and you just, the cops can stop you. The George. Cop, the cops can stop you. <laughs> yeah, well, you yeah, know. Yeah, that was, that was not me. It's kind of their job, bro. Uh, so let's finish up today with True Detectives. True Detectives. I'll, let, I'll let you kick this off so I can drink a little more. I loved it. Mm. I I absolutely. Set things up. Set things I know. Up. I'm, I'm, I'm reacting. I'm glad you loved it. but you know. So True Detective uh, just wrapped up on Sunday night. It was on HBO, and it was only eight episodes long. Uh, Nick Pizzolatto, who created the show, uh, back strong with this one. It was the story of two detectives. You had Stephen Dorff, and you had Marshall I'm Ali. I'm so glad you got notes for that, because I did not. And I, 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 I actually their names. I spelled it for, phonetically because I'm bad at saying stuff. Uh, and congratulations to him on winning the Oscar as well for Best Actor. He is such a good actor. He deserves all the Oscars. The Dorf. The Dorf. Dorf. Dude, Dorf. I grew up watching Dorf in a little movie called The Gate. And, you know, he was, like, like just by the last name, he looks like a Dorf. He's, He's always, Dorf. Play, always played that character. He's always played that character. But now he played the most amazing detective on this show and it's interesting so oh you... wait 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 i think we should stop yes. we made this the last segment because spoiler alert so this is a spoiler oh yeah we're gonna go deep please just stop the show uh, how can the kids reach you hambone you can find me on uh, twitter at handbreaker where i talk about things like professional wrestling dungeons and dragons and i tweet pictures of cute animals you could also find me on instagram at john hambone mcguire where it's mostly pictures of my adventures in the podcast yeah you can find me at GOK creative at GOK creative and uh, cult of george let's talk about true detectives so true detective season one was Rate, awesome. review, and subscribe. Don't forget to rate, review, subscribe. True, uh, True Detective season one was awesome. It was Woody Harrelson, and it was uh, Woody Harrelson and uh, what's the other McConaughey. Guy? McConaughey. Oh, how did I pull that out of my ass? You're, it's a miracle. You're worker. way better than me at that. And it was a great detective show that some feel fell apart a little bit towards the last episode because it crossed a line into the metaphysical. No, 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 no. So I disagree with you on the first season. I felt they were trying to be weird fiction and they were trying to be that next level of metaphysical, strange sci-fi. And I thought they blew it on the dismount because it ended up being all normal. Right. But they went a little too far with it that if they pulled back a little sooner and it would have just been, oh, they wanted you to believe that it was, but it was actually all normal. It would have been fine. But they, or they should have just went all in and it should have been weird. Or it should have been Cthulhu. Anywho, uh, season two was kind of unwatchable because it was all monologues. It was like it was being in a drama class, and it's a drama class where all they do is monologues for eight episodes. So we took a pass on that. And we talked great stuff about Vince Vaughn in the Page movie, but not in True Detectives. We learned he can't. He's, yeah, no. Not not ev not everyone could be a hit, guys. So True Detective season three, uh, it takes place over 40 years. And it takes place where you have the uh, abduction and murder of a couple children where one child ends up murdered, the other one ends up abducted. And it is the journey of the two cops, Stephen Dorff and 
Marshal Ali through the years. And the twist is that Marshal Ali is suffering from Alzheimer's. So he's trying to solve the case in 2019 while his brain is completely failing him. It's amazing. Like it's just so well done. I don't think it's a twist as much as it's a um it's just a hook, you know? Like yeah. it's, it's it's just a a twist is too much like that's something they they make it clear from the beginning he's got dementia of some sort. Yes. And and he's and advanced Alzheimer's. And he's trying to do this documentary where uh, this film crew today is trying to figure out the story of this girl who was never really was never really answered. The, there was a lot of cover ups going on, right? And and in the movie, and we, I think we talked about this show a couple episodes ago where we gave more of the synopsis. The thing is, the first season of 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 True Detectives, people were let down by the ending because it just turned out to be a normal weirdo, and they found him very easily under normal circumstances, which is usually how serial killers are caught. Yeah, it's usually something stupid that leads to them being caught. And I always said in the first season, what was great about it was not it isn't called true crime; it's called true detectives. It's the story of the personalities of two people and how they mesh together. Like one day when they make the movie about us called True Weirdos, it'll be about us, not the murders we do at the second half of our George. life, um, or the crimes we solve. I don't know. Crimes we solve. Murders we do, and so so no. I um. I, I found I knew I went into this with low expectations because the second season sucked and because the first one I found realized later that that's where it was going. So I'm like I think this is definitely going to be more about the relationship between Dorf and the other guy who's named Ali, uh, and not the story. And kind of that's where we went. The ending, the last episode, really um, filled in everything very quickly. Uh, there was a weird twist. I never saw it coming that. That the the girl was actually living there as a replacement daughter for her da- his daughter, right? Like the crazy rich guy who owned the biggest plantation, the chicken farm. Turns out his daughter's uh, daughter died, and da- daughter and husband died. And to appease his daughter, she uh, he allowed her to kidnap another kid, which I thought was really interesting because they build you up to think that the whole thing is about child molestation. Well, no. Uh, my wife was under the concern. The the she thought. Uh, I guess there was a lot of um, activity on the internet saying that it was actually a child ring, a child child uh, child prostitution ring, or something right. like that. Which uh, I actually believe a lot when they got to the point. Like there was a point in episode six, I think, where I thought they were like, "Oh yeah, that actually is it," and now it got spoiled for me. But it wasn't it. I. Always thought the the brother died under. I always thought he died by accident. Me too. The Rock always was like that kid didn't get brained. Like he probably fell, ran. Like it's exactly what that turned out exactly as I thought it was. That was a little weird that the sister actually put the hands in the same position as they were in the in the photo. In the that was a little weird. And and there were look there was a lot of weird. uh, The only I felt the only thing that was left unanswered was they never finished that poor documentary. Yeah, I thought that was funny that they never go back and finish a documentary in the end, but I don't think they also needed to. I think one of the cool things that really struck me about the series was that it's more about the journey than it is about them actually solving the crime. Like, in the end of the day, when you find out what happens, you're like, oh, shit, that's great. But you you kind of feel more satisfied by seeing how they get there together and how their relationship rekindles over and how it evolves over four four decades. And I also think that the ending was very bittersweet. Yeah. And it really 
like you know, in a, in a lot of a lot of mysteries, a lot of these like you know detective movies, these detective shows, you know, you're gonna have like some kind of a boss fight, or there's some gonna be some kind of like con confrontation that happens. Where in the end of the day, with this, the crime just gets solved, and you are left with this man whose mind is slipping away from him day by day. At the very end, he pieces together in a little bit too easy of a fashion who she might be, who the girl might be today. 40 years later, he figures out that she went to a, a, a place where an orphanage where the nuns kind of kept her a secret because they knew evil people were coming. They faked her death. There was stuff that was a little too wrapped, a little too nicely in a bow, and he figured it out too easily. However, at the very end, when he figures out, he goes and finds who he thinks the girl is. And right as he finds her, he has an episode and doesn't remember why he's there and calls his son to come get him. I don't think that is actually what happened. I think he just realized. I think he knew. I think even at the very end, he knew who she was. He just realized this is maybe a story that doesn't need to be told. See, I disagree with you because there's a specific music cue that happens when he falls out of his like lucid thoughts. And it happened in the car as he was pulling up to her house. The music changes. And the music changes in a way where you think something really evil and ominous is going to happen. But then in the end of the day, you think what's more evil and ominous than a poor person's mind kind of fall, like slipping away from them. So, yeah, I, I think he, he just forgot. It was a close-up on the eye when he asked for the water that got me to think that he was aware of what was happening. Yeah. If you watch it again, there's just the way the camera pans. Again, the, the, the camera work in here is gorgeous. The acting is incredible. My only complaint about the show, right? The, my biggest complaint is I hated the wife. I hated Ali's character's uh, wife. Yeah. I felt, I didn't know whether it was her acting wasn't very good she wasn't a likable character, but I did feel like she was using him through the whole thing. And I did find anytime she was on the screen, I found her annoying. I found it her I found her monologues to be overacted. I just really didn't like her and I kind of wish she would just go away. Luckily she dies in the fourth part, but in the you know, but well no, <laughs> So here's the thing. I What I, were your thoughts on her? Kotel Sam. I agree with you to a point. I think that where Dorf and Ali their characters are very well defined through four through forty years, right? Her character kind of changed every decade, but they never really gave you. But you didn't get you really didn't get enough time with her to really because I, I kind of felt like a lot of things that she was doing, a lot of things she was saying was kind of coming out of left field per se because she wasn't a main character. She wasn't a main character. But she was enough to be. But yeah, shoehorned in. I get, I get that, but I also think that when you have a person whose character has to exist and evolve over four decades, and it all happens off screen, whereas like her husband and Stephen Dorff, you you know who they are for yeah. forty years. It's it's weird. Like I kind of at the same time, like there was a lot of points. I'm like, oh my god, I can I can see why they're like why they're fighting because. She's using him. She's just just milking him to write this goddamn book. But then there are other times where it just didn't. Drive. I, I, I think. I think. I, and that's where I think the end of the day, it's the actress. It's not the, you know, as much as I want to say it was the acting. I think it was in the acting in this case. Uh, that was the only complaint I had. I thought it was great. I think go into this. You know, for some reason you listen to our spoilers and and still want to watch it. Go into it 
go into it not expecting this to be a story about a crime. It's how a story, a crime affects humans. Right. And it, it's just a very good meta meta story. If you love the first season, you'd love this. I hope that he does another one. I really hope um, he gets other writers just to like stretch it out beyond I, I agree. his. The acting is what made this different in the first one, but the story is not too far from the first one. Well, it's interesting because they do a thing where. This takes place in the same universe as the first season. And it's a thing where, okay, it can be very heavy-handed in a way that it exists in like a same cinematic universe. It's just a matter of, no, this is the planet Earth. In this town, these kids went missing for this, and we were concerned, and we think that it might be a similar kind of thing. But it's just, you know... Yeah, again, loved it. Thought it was excellent. I think there should be a lot of awards won for acting next year because it, it was oh, these worth dudes are it. totally getting Emmys. I, I hope they take the time and not just crank it out another season. I think giving it three years to breathe really helped this out. And uh, you know, True Detectives, thumbs up. Hambone, we come to another end of another episode. We did it, man. Really quickly, uh, Meal Maxim Rock and Roll is done. I heard. It, it, yeah, we don't think we ever talked about that. I was actually a little shocked. Maxim Rock and Roll is never the best fan scene it was long in the tooth when we were young mostly because they were so adamant about not liking anything that was corporate anything that had indie back like they didn't like epitaph stuff because they were like put out by red distribution like they got a little bit too crazy but the columns were always good the interviews when they were good they were when they're great they were really great yeah like the early stuff with uh jerry only and 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 john joseph hearing those stories when nobody had ever heard it it was good but I can't believe it lasted this long as a print zine. I honest to God thought it went out like 10 years ago or it, more. Uh, just curious to see if it exists online. I just feel like that can never really exist online. I mean, how, what what is your take on that, though? Because knowing that they were so anti, I, I don't think anti-establishment is the right wording for it, but so anti anything even remotely touching corporate. Like, how do you think they would survive in the age of Instagram if they had to go to become, like, an online publication? Because there's there's no way around it now. I I think, uh, well, first of all, I think they are trying to digitize their their catalog, and I think they should do that. Oh, absolutely. They are the longest-running zine, I think. Ever. They they have to be. It's them and Life in a Bungalow. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, Punk Planet was the other big one when I was young, and that went out of business a while ago. I don't think Flipside's still around anymore. Yeah. Uh, you know, it was it was very interesting. I think they stayed true all the way to the end. I mean, I forgot what the name of the editor chief. It starts with a Y. Last name was like, you, uh, I don't remember. But, like, for them to stay true to it that long is really impressive. So, you know, uh, sad sad day in the zine world, even though none of us really even knew it still. It was kind of like when CBGBs went under. Yeah. And it was like, oh, this sucks, but... Uh, we, we, we knew because we're, like, right right around the corner from it. Yeah, it was time. You know, uh, RIP Maximum Rock and Roll. And uh, close to another excellent episode of My Thai Happy Hour. Hambone, now try it again with more feeling. How can the kid... Hold on, no, no, let me cue up your music. I forgot, <laughs> I forgot I got a soundboard. Uh, last week I completely forgot to fire it up. Uh, you know, how, how can those uh, fun kids reach you, Hambone? I lick your boom of down. Jesus Christ, George. You can find me on Twitter at Hambreaker. I'm constantly talking about Dungeons and Dragons, professional wrestling, cute animals, and the podcasts I produce. You can also find me on the Instagram where it's mostly my adventures and podcasts I produce. Oh, I find at John Hambone McGuire. Well, you stopped. I screwed that one up. What? Uh, your uh, your website's looking quite nice. It's getting there. I took a look at it. It's much better than it was the first time I saw it. It's getting there. 
Yeah, have you finished the book yet? I'm almost. Oh, I'm halfway uh, through. We, we, we gotta start. We gotta get the why we going. Get, we have to get the why going. I know the why, but I need. I want to. I want to get to the end of that book. I want to refine the why. I'm very excited about it. I'm excited for you too. Uh, where's my theme? I need a theme song. So where, where can the people find you? Yeah, it? where can the the kids can find me at GLK Creative on Instagram, at GLK Creative on Twitter. I am at cultofgeorge.com where I'm slowly reproducing all my old stuff and writing some new stuff too. It's really good, y'all. Yeah, you definitely worth checking out. I am I am so happy to be here. Episode after episode, this is episode 106. Wow. 106. And uh, I'm just I'm just happy. I'm happy you're happy. You can reach out. I already did that. You can rate, review, and subscribe. Don't Find forget to rate, review, and subscribe. Anywhere that you get this, it's available everywhere. Spotify does very well. They're so good at it. It's so, like, Spotify, actually, I'm actually surprised by our numbers on Spotify. Uh, YouTube sucks, but you can keep redoing YouTube. Our Facebook Live stuff is... It's, it's really the spot to get on it. Yeah, yeah, except you have to friend me and talk. We'll figure that we'll out. We'll figure that out later. Guys, I'm George. This is Hambone. Hambone, take us out. No, yeah, there yes, we go. There it's I, me. Well, I heard the give it to me, baby. Yeah. I'm like, oh, did it restart the song? Yeah, that's fine. Take us out. Everybody remember, be nice. Aloha. Aloha. <laughs>